Father, uh, thank you for this uh, opportunity to come again. And Lord, I, I say this is kind of where the meat, rubber meets the road, Lord. This is, a, this is about what do we choose, you or us, this crisis of belief, Lord. And it's so easy to talk about and to, to say we believe this and to agree with all this information, but to live it out and to choose you over our own agenda day in and day out. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, your son. And that's what it means to live an integrated, holy life. It's what you call us to, Lord. May your spirit be present, working in our hearts and minds tonight, revealing, challenging. May you be present in the groups. And may you convict us in areas that we need to grow in and affirm us in areas where our faith is strong. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, as we do each week, <laughs> I saw some people out there. As we do each week, let's go over our, uh, a bit of our review. I figure if we go over this every week, you, you're going to, you know, if we go back to the first one, you're going to gone over this um, 11 weeks because it started week one. And the whole idea of this is by the time we get to the end, you can literally see these visualizations in your head, these different ways of depicting this concept of growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, this idea, and, and we were just talking about it. Somebody had a question in our discussion leaders group, and, and I referred to this because this is, to me, a controlling metaphor, a visual metaphor of the answer to so many things. Somebody said, well, how do I know that it's Jesus Christ speaking to me, or I know it's God speaking to me, or the Holy Spirit speaking to me? How do I know that? Well, we talked about Dallas Willard, talks about the weight of God's voice, but how do we know that is because as we get closer to Christ, we recognize his voice, we recognize him talking to us. The challenge for many of us is we sit at a distance, as that depicts, over there and say, I think God might be saying this to me, and yet I'm not quite sure, and they guess. And in guessing, they try to discern. When in reality, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pursue Christ. We're supposed to close that gap. We're supposed to get to that so that we can clearly hear God's voice in our lives. But, and again, as we talked about, we can try to control God by keeping at a distance, and yet discerning is difficult. The analogy I used was, if you know, I, I've had some vision issues just because of glaucoma and all the drops I do, and, and occasional things are really fuzzy. So I can sit at a distance and try to guess, it, it, wait, is that Carl over there? It kind of looks like Carl. Or I can go, oh, it's Carl. And I'm going to be harsh here and say the fool is the one that sits back here and tries to guess. The wise person is the one that goes toward the source, goes toward Jesus Christ, and develops a relationship so that we can hear God's voice more clearly. And so that's what this is about. And why it's the first one is, again, it's the controlling visual metaphor of what we're trying to achieve. How we close that gap. 
Now, it never happens quite that quickly. I used to have one that slowly went, you know. But I think everybody kind of got the point as I sat here slide after slide as we slowly draw on closer to God. So, okay. We talked about this, how Jesus Christ comes in our life and is one of many elements in our life, but we're really controlling it. We're the center. It's the same concept, but slightly different. What we're trying to do is see everything through Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't a part of our life. Jesus is the center of our life and the controlling element or metaphor of our life. And then this moving on this sliding scale, this is going to be very um, important tonight because we're going to talk about coming to these decision points and we're going to choose ourselves, our agenda, or God's agenda. And as we move down this road, we're choosing God more often. And this is another point, this Erlenmeyer flask, how we need to empty ourselves to bring Jesus into our lives so that we can draw closer and we can understand and we can choose Jesus. And we do that each time we choose Jesus or God, the triune God, over our own agenda, okay? And then this, where are we investing our lives, this T account? Are we investing in internal things or things that are temporal, going to pass away? And then this, which a lot of you have um, brought up in discussion with me, this idea of... um, you know, knowing him, and then sometimes trying to skip to obeying him. And this is, this is very much the problem we have in discerning God's will for our lives, right? We, we get to know him, and then we instantly go, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? When in reality, we need to go through this circle repeatedly. This should be, this should be literally a visual of our metaphor of our life, that we know him and that we love him. To know him is to love him. If you don't love him, you don't know him. And to, 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 to love him, to know him, to love him, is to believe he is who he says he is. And if you believe him, you'll trust him. If you trust him, you obey and you obey, you get to know him. And that cycle, okay? What's the Jew's problem? The Jew's problem is boom, 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 boom. What does he say to the Pharisees? He goes, you try to keep the law, but you don't want me, and I am the essence of the law. If you don't want me, you don't want the law. But you say you want the law. And we, we see that in, in the Christians often today. So that cycle, and that brings us to this, okay? And so um, without faith, Come on, you guys are in a trance. I mean, I just lulled you to sleep. I mean, you got your eyes open, but I can just see you're like, okay. Okay, let's start that over again. Yeah, I mean, think about it, okay? It's it, okay. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Okay. So anybody that comes to him, you have to believe he exists, and, and, and that's a starting point. But you have to believe he is who he is. And you go, oh, well, well of course I believe he is who he is. Well, how do you know who he is if, if, you, if you don't know his word? 
And if, you, and if you believe he is who he is, your life is going to be total ref, totally reflective of that. And that's where it breaks down. And that's where this whole concept of crisis of belief comes in. Now, I got to admit, there's nothing, no term in experiencing God that's more iconic or remembered or used than, than this term, crisis of belief. Um, people, I, you know, I've taught this for a long time, and people come up all the time, I'm having a crisis of belief. And I go, okay, so, so let's walk through this. Now, Christ's belief, sometimes people think is, is, I don't actually believe, okay? Rarely is it a, I don't believe that God exists and I don't believe. It. That's not what we're talking about. What a crisis of belief is, is a question of do I believe God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he does and he knows what's best for me and I can trust him. And the battle is really between us and God. We so desperately want to control things. We so desperately believe we know better than God and we know better than anyone what's right for us. Only I know what's right for me. Greatest deceptive lie of Satan of all time. We have no idea what's best for us other than to pursue Jesus Christ, and that's what's best for us. But we, but we battle that whole control. And, and we can say all day long, you know, I've, I've, you know, and there's a metaphor, I've given the wheel over to Jesus, you know, I've got, okay, I've turned my life over to Jesus. Really? I haven't met anybody that's really turned their life over to Jesus. People I meet have turned over bits of their life to Jesus. Some have turned over more bits than other bits, but I've never seen anybody that's turned over their life completely over to Jesus Christ. Because what that is, is really unbelievable when you think about it. That means every minute of every day, you choose Jesus over yourself. In the business world, people used to come and go, um, you know, my workload's so crazy, I just can't take on any more work. I said, well, that's great. Okay, I'm going to spend the next two days with you. I'm going to sit right next to you in your desk, and I'm going to look at everything you do, and we're going to find some space. Okay, I'll find some space. And then they go away, because they don't want me sitting there going, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You're wasting time here. You're doing, you know, I never really had to sit next to anybody and find space, because the concept... It's just so like, okay, fine, I'll find some capacity. I'll be more efficient. Well, it's the same way. I said, really? Okay, I tell you what, I'll spend a couple days with you and see if wholly and completely every decision you make is a kingdom decision. And they go, uh, no, nah, that's okay. They get the point. So before we start to believe we're, you know, living completely and holy for Jesus Christ. Let's, let's accept the fact that we aren't. And how do we move, you know, going back here, how do we move along that continuum? Okay? That's our goal. Our goal is, is to acknowledge that there's a gap, and how do I close that gap? Too many times we walk around with this belief that we're, you know, already holy and fully sanctified, 
Well, the Bible's pretty clear that the process of sanctification goes all the way till when? Glorification. When's glorification? When we no longer are living this life, either Jesus returned or we've, we've left this life. So if we accept that, and it's a process of growing, one of the key points of growing is these crises of belief. Because the crisis of belief is, and I'm going to, this I deviate from, from Henry Blackaby more this week than I do any week. Because Blackaby sees these crises of belief as these big God-sized things that he's calling us into. And, you know, blue, do I go to wherever? Or do I, ah. I'm not saying they aren't crises of belief, but I believe crises of belief happen every day. And our ability to to make the God-sized decision comes from our ability to make the smaller Tom-sized decisions. Yeah, that doesn't work, does it? Um, make those smaller daily decisions. Because we're all facing decisions every day. Do I choose my way or do I choose God's way? And you go, well, Tom, give me an example. Okay. How many hours did you spend in the Word of God today? How many hours? I don't mean minutes. I mean hours. And what else did you do to waste, kill, spend, delete, get through, whatever time that you choose your agenda over God's agenda? We all do it. And remember an intentional life. Because right now you're going, well, I had to. I had to do this. I had to do this. I had to do this. I had to do What did you have to do? What did you? You're all alive, right? Okay, so what's the one thing you had to do today? Breathe. Because you didn't die, right? That's the other thing you got to do, but nobody died that I know of that's in this room right now. So all you had to do today was breathe. Everything else was what? Choice. A value decision. So as you made those value decisions, how many times did you choose Jesus Christ and how many times did you choose, you know, Tom, Carl, Gary, Bill, whoever? Now, I'm not saying going to work is a bad thing. I'm not saying eating food was a bad thing. I'm not saying even recreating was a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But those are the decisions we need to make. And some of those are the smaller, I'm not saying small, but smaller crisis of beliefs. Yeah, you know, oh, gee, maybe I should read the Bible, but I'd really rather go watch the baseball game. I'd really rather uh, quilt. <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I just can't always think of a female recreational activity. Maybe I'm going to run. Not a bad thing. Maybe I'm going to bike. Maybe I'm going to woodwork. Maybe I'm going to uh, I don't know, go back in, to work and go work a few more hours in the office or something like that. Or maybe I chose Jesus Christ. Maybe I decide, you know, I'm going to read his word for an hour and then I'm going to pray for an hour. I mean, if, really, if we did an inventory of our lives, how many hours we spent, would we be called followers of Jesus Christ or would we be called quilters, workers, you know, business people, uh, construction people? Uh, what would we be called? What is the defining largest consumer of our time and thoughts in the week? And again, I'm not saying don't work. I mean, I'm just saying 
what do we do when we're choosing to spend our time? What do we choose? And that's what I'm talking about, about crisis of belief. You know, it's, it, again, if I say, I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ, how much time have I been studying what Jesus Christ teaches? And I mean studying. Again, I, I, you know, not to get in that whole, uh, have I read the Bible thing or not, but if, if you're not studying the Word of God, if you're not studying the teachings of Jesus Christ, how much of a follower of Jesus Christ are we? You know, if I said I was a cyclist, if I told you I'm a cyclist, okay, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a serious cyclist, and you said, how many hours a week do you spend on a bike? Oh, hour, hour and a half maybe. And you go, let's see, 24 times 7. Okay, so you once in a while think about it and maybe get on a bike. Well, how would I be a cyclist? How can I be a follower of Jesus Christ if I spend three hours a week? The other thing, too, is right now, if you're doing the study, there's, there's a good chance, I'm not assuming that's true for everyone, but it's a good chance you're carving time out to do this study, right? You know, maybe you're carving a week, or I mean, an hour, maybe you're carving five hours, maybe you're carving 10 hours out of your week to do this study. When the study ends, don't give that time back. You've made room to, for Jesus Christ to doing this study. Don't give it back. Claim that for Jesus. Whatever time you're using, continue to do that after August 30th, last day of class. Keep doing it. It's so easy just to kind of make it a, a one-time event and then that closes and you're back to whatever your life was before. So a crisis of belief is when we come to this, um, this situation where we have to choose. In fact, I'm going to just go to that now. Let's skip that for a second and come back. We come to this point where we have to choose, where we, where we know that something would either draw us closer to God or God would have us do or whatever it happens to be. We know God wants us to study his word. We know he wants us to, to follow the teachings of his son, Jesus Christ. We know he wants us to pray. So we, we come this fork, and do we choose what we want to do or our agenda, or do we choose God's agenda? And that's all part of dying to self, emptying that flask, okay? Because people say, well, I, you know, this whole flask metaphor, okay, I get it intellectually, I see it, but how does it play out? Very simply, you know, you... Give up something that's on your agenda and take in something that's on God's agenda. And, and you're in this class. You made a choice. You made a choice. You came to a crisis of belief. You may not even identify it as a crisis of belief, but you came to a crisis of belief. Do I take the experience of God? Do I carve out the time? Do I do the study? Do I show up? Or do I not? Because it's summer. It's Wednesday night. There's going to be some really nice Wednesday nights. I could go fishing. I could go for a walk, I could sit outside, I could do a whole bunch of things, and then you have another crisis of belief. I decided to take the class. Am I going to do the homework? Another crisis of belief. Do I do the homework or do I just show up? I can hear him talk, and I don't have to actually do the homework. Another crisis of belief. And life is full of them. 
every day. And, and I'd, I'd like to write Henry and say, Henry, would you take this concept of Christ's belief, which I think is really powerful, and would you expand it to include our lives as followers of Jesus Christ instead of just making it this monstrous thing that comes around once in a great while? Because, again, it's pretty predictive. If day in and day out we're not choosing Jesus Christ, when the big thing comes, well, first, it may not come because how committed are we? And then when it comes, what position are we, A, to discern his voice, and B, to choose correctly? So, as we back up and look at this quote from Blackby, the way you live your life is a testimony of what you believe about God. I mean, I've said this so many times, I can't, I can't even, you know, I mean, okay, what metaphor am I going to use? Anybody know what I'm going to go to? The same thing I use all the time. Thank you very much. Fire in the church. If this room, if I told you, okay, say it with me. Uh, if, I was, if I said this room was on fire, okay, the building's on fire. Right. If you, if you left, that meant what? If you stayed here, it meant you didn't believe me, right? I figure if I use the same metaphor over and over, eventually, you know. And so I use this metaphor, right? If you believe it, you'll do it. You can say it all day long. You can mentally agree with it. Most, I would put, I'd, I'd say a high percentage of people on a Sunday morning sit there and listen to a sermon, mentally agree to it, yet never really believe it. They mentally go, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right, and walk out the door and act as if, that's not belief. Belief means you do it. If you don't do it, you don't believe it. I'll take a couple of deep breaths now. Because see, what happens is it's so easy to mentally agree to something. Because I'm supposed to, or it's right or somehow that makes me a, a, a Christian. So I agree with it. Oh, great, great sermon there, Pastor. I really like that point you made about dot, 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 dot. Okay, there's two groups of pastors. One group that goes, yeah, that was a great point, wasn't it? I feel so good about myself. The other group goes, well, we'll see. We'll see over the coming weeks how much you actually believe what I just said. Sounds cynical, but trust me. Pastors get patted on the head all the time. It really doesn't mean anything unless you're one of those pastors that needs to be patted on the head. The pastor that sees a change in the congregation, that's the pastor that goes, woo, Holy Spirit's really working. And so, what we believe gets lived out. You can't help but live it out. It isn't live out what you believe. You're going to live out what you believe. You don't have any choice. Just believe. I mean, truly believe that God is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ really is the Savior, that Jesus Christ, being in Jesus Christ, a life dedicated to Jesus Christ, is really what's best for us. We're not doing it for God. 
You know, that's, uh, John Piper wrote, you know, Desiring God. Don't do it for God. Do it for yourself. Be selfish. Because it's what's best for us. Believe that. Believe that. And God will be glorified. We don't have to worry about, oh, I've got to serve God and glorify Him. Okay, do what's best for you and you're going to glorify God. But do you really believe that what's best for you is to truly follow Jesus Christ? So what is faith or what is belief? Blackaby has developed, and he doesn't, isn't as overt with this, but he develops this concept that's, I think, really powerful. A lot of people think faith is, God, I'm going this way. Bless me because this is the way I'm going and reach down and stop me if I'm not going the right way. That's not faith. That's trying to control God. Faith is discerning and believing that the closer I get to God, truly the closer I get to God, the better I'm going to understand him and the better life is. You cannot believe and have faith by standing at a distance from God and say, yes, I believe God is who he says he is and he has what's best for me. If you told me that M&Ms are the most wonderful thing in the world and you would do anything for M&Ms, this is a new metaphor just being broken out for tonight, and I said, wow, really? There's a gigantic bowl of M&Ms out there. If you don't out to get the M&Ms, I no longer believe you think M&Ms are the greatest thing in the world. If I come up to you and you say, oh, you know, I really got this big thing I'm working on, you know, and I don't know what to do, and it's a problem maybe, or it's a good thing or whatever, and I say, wow, you just need to just boring closer to Jesus Christ and just focus on him and, and make him the focus of everything you do and hold on to him and, and, and just let's see how that, what happens. No, that isn't going to work for me. Uh, I think I'm going to just X, Y, Z, whatever. And I go, no, you really don't believe God is who he says he is. You can mentally extend to that, but you in who you are, in the very being of you are, doesn't because you would not have this big thing you're wrestling with and not pursue him. Believed it. You know, we always say, people say, you know, if Jesus Christ, like, was right here, materialized, the line would form forever for people that would want to interact with him and spend time and ask him all these questions and get all this insight. I go, what a bunch of garbage that is. That's not true. Because he's sitting right there in the Bible. He's in this body. And yet, a lot of us don't have time. So why do we think a physical manifestation of him would? Oh, but the physical is so much more real, isn't it? We want to believe. You know, it's the same thing. People say, oh, I wish I lived in the time. Okay. I'm not thinking of anybody. If anybody is thinking they said this to me as I'm about to beat it up. Um, Boy, I wish I lived in the time of Jesus. 
Wouldn't it be amazing to walk with him? I, I, I wish I was just there when he was on earth. I go, really? Yeah, that's it. They all rejected him. They didn't know, understand. It's pre-Pentecost. They have no idea. The Holy Spirit's not here. It's all worthless. We have a more accurate, complete teaching of Jesus Christ today called the Bible than in any time in the history of man. Think about it. If you understand your textual criticism, you know what I'm talking about. Even in the time of Jesus, there was no written account, and they didn't know because the Holy Spirit hadn't come. Even after Pentecost, there were no Gospels. They were just being written. At no time in that period of time did all the original manuscripts get bought together in one thing, which we call the Bible. So they were all pieces. All 27 were all over the place. And when they got brought together, they weren't the originals anyway. They were copies. We have, right now, the most accurate account of teachings of Jesus Christ that have existed in the history of mankind. And if that doesn't get you excited, why would manifestation of a bearded guy with long hair and a robe and some sandals? I've seen some of you. Weekend, sandals, long robe, no shaving. I don't know. We always say, well, if this happened, then I would. If I lived in the time of Jesus, if Jesus materialized, if this happened, this happened, this happened, then I'll. No, you won't. No, you won't. You have everything in place right now to draw closer to Jesus Christ than you've ever been in your whole life. It's whether you choose that or not. Really, whether you choose that, whether you're intentional about wanting him. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is, and in believing that, we will pursue him with all we have. If we're not pursuing him, we don't believe that about Famous James quote, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. What do we say here? Know what you believe. Know why you believe that. Live a life based on those beliefs. Know what you believe. It's pretty thin and timid if you don't know why you believe it. And the question is, do you really believe it if you don't live a life based on those beliefs? beliefs. It's really simple. Why, what, why, do. And and people sometimes pit this against Paul and say, well, see, that's James. But Paul says, no, James doesn't say we earn salvation. What James is saying is if you believe it, you're going to do it. You can't help but do that. And so the key is faith, belief. And you don't will yourself. You don't sit there and go, okay, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. What's the key to belief? Loving and knowing. What's the key to knowing? Study his word, prayer, Spiritual disciplines, 
getting alone with God, hearing his voice, choosing him over the world a little bit every day. That's what it means to believe him. People all the time try to take this and say, okay, I've got to go do the right thing. I'm going to go do, 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 do. You know, they become, what do we, what's the, the biblical parable or the, not a parable, it's a count, Martha. <laughs> no, that's still you driving the ship. Draw closer to Jesus Christ. Be in him. And allow your doing to come out of that being in him. That's what James is talking about. That's really the key to life. Do you believe that? I mean, really, do you believe that? Another quote. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I always like to say, you know, Lord is not a title. It's a positional relationship, okay? Just like Christ isn't a, Messiah, you know, isn't a title, we think Jesus Christ is his last name. It's not. Christ means Messiah. It's the Greek for the Hebrew, Messiah. It means he is fully all that the Messiah is to be. Well, Lord is a, a relationship. To say Lord Jesus means that truly he's the Lord of your life. He's the king of your life. He's the controlling metaphor. You're the subject to him, to his kingdom. What's the whole deal about kings? They're autonomous, right? Their subjects do what they tell them to do. And when we're in the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ is our Lord. We do what he says to do. And he says, if, if, you know, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? How can you do that? And again, it can't be the, you know, it can't be this thing where we're going, you know, okay, but, 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 because we know that doesn't work. The Bible can't be more clear. You just can't. What happens is that's when the rebellion comes against the, the king. Listen, I've been serving you. I've been doing all that you say. I'm getting nothing out of this. It's just horrible. Why are you doing this? I'm going to, you know, no. When we come to Jesus Christ, when we turn from the world to Jesus, which is what we say is coming to Christ, which results in justification, being made just in the eyes of God, it, it, it starts off with, um, he's different. There's something about him that intrigues me. I'm going to explore him. I'm going to kind of check this thing out. And we turn and we start to check them out. And then we get a little bit of Jesus. And something happens. And it happens in a huge percentage of people. And you've probably seen it in people or maybe even yourself. Where there's this excitement, there's this energy. And then it wanes. And he's part of us, but he's just kind of there. And, and yeah, there's a some things we shouldn't do, and I got to learn some jargon so I can do this. But that excitement, that 
energy that, like, wow, awe factor just subsides. And a lot of times it isn't replaced with the maturity. You know, you know how a couple meet each other, and there's like, you know, whoa, whoa, that's all you can think of, this amazing, she, he, or just unbelievable. Then they get married. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. My, my daughter just got married uh, this weekend, so this little, a little marriage joke, you know. Where, where are you, Erica? Trust me, I won't use that joke in anything we talk about. Um, but what happens in marriage is it gets replaced with instead of just a, aren't you amazing, it's a, as I get to know you. I really start to deeply understand who you are and love you. And love you not with some infatuation, but love you with a deep, deep knowledge and understanding of who you are. And that's, that's kind of the metaphor for our relationship with Jesus, but something happens. The excitement and the awe doesn't get replaced with the deep. It just kind of wanes. And life gets busy and the, the weeds spring up parable of the sower, which is actually the parable of the soils. It, we say sower, but it should be soils. And, and choke the life out of our faith. Or, or we get a little Jesus, think we're good. Okay, I'm over the line. I think I'm good for heaven. You know, I've asked everybody, what's the minimum I have to do? And they've given me the minimum and I've done it. And now I can just cruise. Where's that awe and wonder of who Jesus Christ is. Where's that just, whoa, I can't believe, and this is a classic historic term, that any person can be as beautiful as Jesus Christ. We never use that term anymore. It somehow got lost in the last hundred years. The beauty of Jesus Christ, the beauty of God. I mean, if I stood up on a sermon and started talking about the beauty of Christ, people go, ah, what's that term? Jesus isn't beautiful. I've seen his picture. He's okay. You've seen his picture? You know that's not him, right? But that's, that's the historic way of talking about Jesus, that he's so beautiful that he just draws us to him. That his beauty is so powerful that we can't resist once we've behold it and come to know him. But something happens. We get a little Jesus and we don't seem to want anymore. How can that be? How can we not come to Jesus in that parable of, of the the hidden treasure. Why? We, we, we come and we unearth this treasure and we say, this is the most amazing thing. This is so unbelievable. I'm going to go and I'm going to sell everything I have, everything in my life, everything there is, so I can buy this field, so I can have this treasure. That's the parable of how we're supposed to come at Jesus. And is it that we get a little Jesus and we found him wanting? No, he really isn't as beautiful as I thought. He isn't so valuable. He isn't really that powerful in my life. Is the problem with Jesus? Or are our eyes so blinded we can't see who he really is? 
Now, you're, you're in this study. So, you have made that choice. But this is the beginning of a trajectory. Or maybe this is your third or fourth time in the study. This is a chance to do a checkup. Am I choosing? When I come to that decision point, am I choosing Jesus more than last time I took this class? And how often do I choose Jesus? If you did a self-examination of your life, I don't mean a point here and a point here, a point here. I mean 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If, a, if a, uh, okay. If an alien or myself, that's supposed to be a joke, I'm not actually an alien, came and walked alongside you, invisible to you, but walked alongside you, every minute of every day. What would they say about your life as respects God and what you believe about God? Because I'm not going to walk with you and neither is an alien. But the Holy Spirit does. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Holy Spirit walks with us. We often think of that in positive terms. Isn't that great? Because he's right there when I need him. But he's also there when we don't need him. When we reject him. When we choose self over God. And even when we don't do things that are direct affront to God. He's still there. And, you know, he isn't there to condemn us. He's there to empower us. He's there to draw us to him. But he's not going to overwhelm us. He takes what we give him. He wants all of us. But he takes what we give him. And the more we give him, the more joy the more beauty we experience in our lives. If you take nothing else away from this class, take away the concept that every minute of every day is a choice between self and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is with us every minute of every day. All right, let's go into our discussion groups.